my biological grandmother was a, apparently a person who wasn't really able, for whatever reason, to raise a child on her own. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Sorry. <laughs> How did you do that? I don't know. I just touched this. And it I'm going to leave down. that in. Okay. Happy Father's Day to you, oh, sir. Thank you. thank you. It is Father's Day, right? It is. In fact, I was walking down the street and there was a woman sitting at a bus stop this morning when I was looking for the cafe. And as I walked by, she said, Happy Father's Day. Wow. Yeah. How did she know? She just guessed. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I've noticed on Twitter and in the media today, like people are uh, getting very melodramatic about Father's Day, even the sort of traditionally man-hating mainstream media and advertising complex is kind of like there's a lot of like really heartfelt like you know i know you're not on facebook brands. anymore but yeah it is well, rampant on yeah on facebook yeah. today lots yeah. of pictures of dads they're all like baits you know let's yeah. see if i can get as many people you know i'll put a sappy message about my dad and then i'll reel in the social media approval yeah yeah, just like a picture of me and my dad, like playing in a, in a like, blow up pool. At <laughs> who's who's at that professional five. wrestler that murdered his family? Chris Benoit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody, uh, Keith Carey, the comedian, put up a picture of him and said, "Happy Father's Day." Oh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> so you. You are Isaac's father. That's right. That's why we're talking about this. As far as I know. This is very <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah. What is the occasion of your visit? Uh, just a chance. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen this house. And uh, it's been a while since we've seen each other. So it's just school's over. So I have some time. Yeah. What a, You're a teacher? You're a professor? Yeah. Isaac's told me very little. So I don't know anything about you. <laughs> That's right. That's not true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you're, we just went paddle boarding this morning. That's right. You didn't really seem like you liked it that much. Well, I was just a little nervous. I was a little apprehensive about it, but it was fine. Who chose to go paddle boarding? That was Isaac's yeah. project. Yeah. Did you ask what your dad would like to do or did he you? He never set, has any preference about anything. So I've just stopped asking. No, but I like anything that has to do with the water. Yeah, that's true. You could have gone sailing. That would have been less. Stressful. No, how to do that. But none of that stuff is as fun as just swimming in the water. Oh. As soon as you've got any kind of equipment or accessories, it's okay. But basically, don't you just want to be in the water? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Good follow up. You know what you mean. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think the thing you should do is find out what your dad would like to do and then go do that. Charles, as I said, I, I it literally I'll ask him seventeen times, "What do you want to do?" And there will, there's never any answer. It's like what? Uh, there's never. It's there's no preference. There's only critiques after the fact. There's never any. <laughs> there's That's never true. any. Uh, you know. You don't make a plan. Uh, because when I hang out with my mom, my mom has everything planned. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I let her run the show. She's happy. I'm. I can do whatever I need to do just by showing up, and it uh, works out. Also, I like to know what other people are into. Somehow, I get. I take pleasure in that. I often get more satisfaction out of helping other people do like bibli, helping other people with bibliographies than doing my own research on stuff. Hmm. Uh, bibliographies. That's so what thing. would that you liked you liked going paddleboarding because Isaac wanted to do it? Yeah, I wanted to find out well, what's this why does what's he like paddleboarding? So why do much? you like paddleboarding? That's where you stand on the thing and you like paddle, right? Yeah. What is And as he I said, it's kind of amazing that this hasn't been invented before because it's sort of the most obvious it's like the most obvious boat imaginable. You know, it's like just you and a board and a paddle and that's it. I don't know. It's just nice. It's nice to be kind of like out on the water. It's slightly physical, you know. Were you in the ocean? How far did you go? Well, in Long Beach, there's a cool, there's like canals. So you can kind of go around in these canals. Like Venice used to be. Venice, California. Yeah. Except, yeah, the Long Beach canals are like actual canals, you know, that are linked to the ocean and like aren't. Weren't the Venice canals originally linked to the ocean? I think they probably still are, or, you know, in some way. Because they do rise and fall with the... Yeah. But they're just gross, and they're totally artificial. They're full of bird shit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they were man-made, whereas this, these aren't, I don't think these are man-made. Those seem pretty man-made. Those are man-made? I mean, they actually, you go on a one-way track... Uh, around all these beautiful homes that are right Yeah. Right. Well, the, it's probably channelized, right? But don't you think that this was probably a naturally occurring bay or I whatever? I have no idea. I think it has to be a naturally occurring yeah. bay, I would say. But I don't know. I always have difficulty planning stuff for other people. Uh, so I feel your pain in that respect, I guess. Yeah. But my parents were so clear about what they wanted to do all the time that we just did it. But you don't like, have to worry about no. it. No. Yeah. They both... They both knew exactly what we were going to do. Yeah. The itinerary planned out, so I just go along. Yeah. It's the struggle of being an adult with adult parents. Yeah. Yeah. So I recently got back. I did the 23andMe uh, genetic testing thing. I got back some interesting results. I guess not interesting, but unusual results. Oh, were they unusual? Well, there was... uh, I knew that I had a lot of like British and Irish background, some Scandinavian, which is Norway, and then some uh, French slash German. They're they're not able to distinguish between the two uh, background. But I also had some weird Southern European background, the island of Sardinia we have some family members from, according to the genetic test. And then it said less than 0.1% South Asian and 23andMe says that somewhere I have some grandparent that was South Asian. But Do they really drill it down? So you're saying they can tell the difference between like 
mainland Europe and Sardinia, but they can't tell the difference between Germans and French. Right. I don't know. I mean, doesn't the science there seem pretty suspect? No, because people from Sardinia have a very specific genetic uh, marker Mm. that people from other places don't have, whereas French and German people are so intermingled uh, genetically. And they're pa- genetically that it's difficult to, to s- separate them out between the two. But yeah. tw- the services like that also say that these are just pr- like these are just educated guesses. Yeah, like we have this set of data about genes and where people's genetics come from. So, you know, our best guess is this. And if you change the there's a there's this slider that you can use to kind of go more of an more of a guess or more of a prediction versus more of a concrete thing, that'll change the numbers a little bit too. becomes much more general if you want 100% clear. Mm. Like, we definitely know this, but if you move it more towards, like, we think that we know this. So what was the things that they definitely Definitely British-Irish, definitely Scandinavian. Uh, How, what percentage Scandinavian? I'm like... 10% 10% Scandinavian? Yeah. See, I feel like the numbers, the lower numbers are more vague. You know, like, it, so your brother, my dad's brother, Bruce, he just got his back. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. And he was like 89, 87% English. Yeah. And then like 8% Europe West. And then everything below Northwestern that. Europe? No, no. Like, it was just like Europe West. Like Did West use... Europe, Western Europe. Right. Because they're not able to. Yeah, they can't tell what's yeah. what, I guess. And then, uh, you know, there was like lower percentages that were like 1% Swedish, 1%. But all those were like, basically, they were kind of like, these are just guesses, basically. And they, I forget what language they use, but they said like, these are very not secure. Like the lower percentages. Yeah, of course. Like the 1% and things. You're not going to be able to know. Well, yeah, okay, so here's a, another question. So I know another guy who just got his back, and yeah. he was like half, he's half Bantu African and half Eastern European. Okay. And so his sister also did it at the same time, and her percentages were different. Right. And how was that? How does that make any what sense? Isn't that genetics? Like when you, because if they were exactly the same, they'd be carbon copies of each other, right? But when. Well, not regionally speaking. Well, yeah, because. And I'm not a DNA expert, so I may be explaining this very badly, but when your DNA code is written, it's taking pieces, 50% from your mom, 50% from your dad, and it's organizing them in a certain way. Yeah. There's different pieces of the code that they're going to be They get expressed there. more. So you could be mix, more expressed in this way. And, right. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's a lot of educated guessing like all of science is. You know, there's no prediction that this is absolutely what you are. You have to kind of couple that with genealogy research which i've also been doing and i've been like creepily obsessed with genealogy lately so what have you found out uh i found out that i have a great 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 grandfather that fought in the civil war and was probably at gettysburg at least his uh unit was at gettysburg and i thought that was very interesting and then his parents were both from ireland uh pure irish so, and the woman he married, her parents were both from Ireland. They were from Northern Ireland, and his parents were from Dublin. Hmm. Uh, and then on my mother's side, that's a little more complicated. I'm trying to figure that stuff out. But I had no idea that I was 
you know, these were my descendants. It's a very strange feeling to go back and look at these old census reports and, yeah. and see their names and where they were living. And Did you use a specific program for that? Or if, if you go... Well, if you go on familysearch.org, which is the Mormon LDS repository for all that information, you can look up most of that shit for free because the Mormons want to reverse baptize your relatives into the Mormon faith. Oh, wow. That's part of their, possible. That's part of their scheme. Hmm. But they tie that to allowing you access to all these records. They're like Ancestry.com. And other places like that won't let you look at it unless you pay for unless their Unless you pay, whereas you just have to pay with your soul. You pay with the souls <laughs> yeah, of your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of your <laughs> forebears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since I don't you know, believe in that shit, I don't care. Yeah, you don't care about the they souls can, of your forebears. They can baptize who they want. I get to look at the you know, the census record or this. Uh, and somebody's done the research in some cases. Like on my, my mom's grandmother's side, there's the research has been done all the way back to England. Uh you know, back to the 1500s, so they're able to trace all that lineage that far back, which is great because now I don't have to do it. I can just add that information to my own. It's a really bizarre sensation where you kind of like think about all these lives that have taken place before yours. Yeah. And I was oh, sitting in front of, of my computer and I'm like, well, my Thomas B. Disney fought in the Civil War so that I could sit here and like do nothing in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Contribute so nothing be, to society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just be a just be a lump. Just be a <laughs> yeah. He was like, in the infantry, yeah. you know. So he, I'm sure, saw some horrible things, and now here's me being well, worthless. So we can be farming content for Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I mean, um, do you think there's a lot of value in knowing this, or is it all sort of an illusion? What do you mean? I mean, is there any value in knowing the past or who you are? Yeah, or? of course. There's a moment in, so the, I just, there was the movie came out, which was The Circle. Right. Tom Hanks and Emma Watson. Mm -hmm. Emma Watson. Hermione Granger. Yeah. And so I went back and read the book, which is a David Eggers book. And it's a bad book. Uh, It's, it's not, it's not well written and it's very poorly organized. And it ends with this absolutely horrible allegorical image that's trying to like sum up like what the whole book is about, which, you know, I like when authors do that, but it's just so obvious and dumb. And, uh, it's about, basically it's about living in a panopticon, right? It's what happens when say Facebook has these little cameras everywhere that people can just like share. And it becomes that everything in your life is revealed. And one of the, uh, uh, elements of closing the circle, as they call it in this sort of like ultra Facebook fictional company is also being panopticon backwards in time. So you have to know everything, not only about yourself presently, but about everybody in your family as far back as they go. Right. And the thing that happens in the book is the woman who's advocating for it finds out that actually her family has like owned slaves throughout history over and over and over again. Yeah. And she becomes like ostracized because of this information. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting uh, take. It's like, do we really want to be bound by all these people so tightly? I mean, it's going to be weird, especially once there's pictures of them, you know, like our great, 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 great grandchildren will have 
you know, our like Instagram yeah, selfies. To- total access <laughs> to every yeah. bit of our lives. Yeah, that's like, you know, there'll be like, you know, a young girl who like wants to like look, you know, like my young cousins who take pictures of themselves with like their boobs hanging out. Like that's going to be like, oh, there's an old great, great granny. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> look at the human bodies they used to have before we merged with the robots. Yeah, yeah. Look at the 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 meat or, the meat space they yeah. lived in. Yeah. Or before we went the other direction to like dark ages too, you know, like look at these hedonists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm pulling for. I'm <laughs> pulling for the handmaid's tale. I'm pulling for handmaid's tale. <laughs> I'm pulling for neuromancer. So we'll see what happens. Well, it's it's probably gotta be one direction or the other. <laughs> Although I don't know what neuromancer even really is, but uh it's classic science fiction. Cyberpunk. The original cyberpunk novel. I, th- I think. Didn't you, t- Thomas, didn't, you, didn't I hear that Thomas. you know Tom? Is that his name, right? Yeah, it's Tom, right? Tom? Right. I, that guy he was making fun of me at Venice Beach yesterday saying when he, I was, I got dragged into, you know, along Venice Beach, there's a guy who's, who do the acrobatics. Yeah. And it's for the grand finale at the end, they drag in people from the audience. Oh, uh, yeah. They said, we need, we need five rich white guys. And I, if, you know, they got four guys and then they found me. And when I told him my name was Tom, like I made a big joke. I'm saying, Tom, boy, that's about as white as you can get. <laughs> They've been doing that, that routine sure. for at least as long as I've lived here. Those acrobat guys. Like, I used yeah. to live down there, and I'd see them do that same thing. It's like 10 years of that fucking thing that they do. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. But apparently, he get, they tricked him into giving him $40. What? $40. The oh, guy from Australia next gave him $100. Few what? people from the crowds gave, gave $100. Why did you give them $40? Well, they, they, they build up this final grand finale, right? And it's very artfully constructed because they bring, they bring in three kids, three cute young kids, and they get the kids to play along. And then they congratulate all the kids on being so great. And they say, you know what? We're going to give you a prize. And they go to their money and they, t- they give each of the kids $20. And so that's telling everybody in the audience, okay, we're giving these kids $20. So what are you going to give us? No. Right? If you give us anything less than $20, you stink, basically. Such right? a scam. Well, where, scam. Where are they yeah, giving well, the kids? Scam. What kids are there around that they're giving there's $20? A crowd, there's a whole crowd of people watching. You know, they get volunteers out of the audience. And then they just suddenly give money to some random kids that are No, around? they bring in three kids and they play with them. And they... they, oh. they, they they choose racially mixed kids. Mm. There was like a white boy, there was a Mexican boy, and there was, uh, I forget, an Asian, or a black guy, a black boy, right? And they play with them, right? They get them to do dance moves and stuff like that. And they kid with them. And, you know, the kids, you know, please everybody. Oh, and then they give them And then they give them a prize for being so game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you have to then fund the kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's smart. They, it's very smart. Know, I mean, it, yeah, it's very artfully done. Yeah. So. Is he close enough? Yeah, he'll okay. be a little closer, okay. but... Anyway. Uh, so you got scammed at Venice Beach. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't so bad. I mean, you know, it's like... Uh, it was more than I intended to get, now, but... Did you buy any demo rap CD? <laughs> no. Is that... <laughs> any mixtapes? No. Could... And I bought their mixtape. <laughs> 60. Right. <laughs> Those guys I hate the most. Yeah, the, the yeah, ones buy that. My, buy my, it's hot. And that's a pure. That's just social engineering as a scam. You know, just putting you on the spot to to buy this CD that you don't want. Yeah, I just say that I'm deaf, 
That's my <laughs> anytime I walk by and they're like, Hey man, you like music? I go, I'm deaf. Okay. <laughs> and then they're like, I don't, know. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to talk to him. Oh, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's worse off than me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've always really been uh I've never fallen for one of those. I'm I'm very scam proof. Uh, yeah. and that's because you know when we when I growing up, do you remember when in Hyde Park, we used to live on the south side of Chicago, in Hyde Park there was that woman who always had a different you remember that? The woman who she was like our neighborhood homeless woman. She was always there and she always had a different gimmick. Uh-huh. Like one day it would be crutches, the next day it would be like a fake baby. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. or the next day she'd be like sobbing or something. And I remember her vividly. Do you remember that? Do you remember her? Um yeah, vaguely. Yeah. I remember there was a guy in in my neighborhood who walks around with an one of those asthma spray things. And he comes up to you and he explains that his, it, it's, he's, he needs it for his daughter. And this one's just run out. And he's just stuck, you know, because he was like just dropping off his daughter, just picking her up or something. And he's just stuck and he needs like $20 to go get another thing. Yeah. And it's, it's really... At one time I was taking a yoga class on the street and he knocked on the door of the yoga studio. <laughs> Undoubtedly thinking, these yoga people, they're going to have a story like that, you know. And, but, and I give him 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes my attitude toward those things is, man, that's a tough way to make yeah. <laughs> you know, At least you have, at least you're being creative. Yeah. But with him, it was really kind of like, this is Chicago. You don't expect anybody to believe that story. Do you? Yeah. What is the one where they hang out at the gas station and they try to get you to pump gas? Yeah. How does that one work? I don't understand the mechanics of that scam. I forget. I used to get that no, one. No, yeah, but I've, I, that's a big one. The gas station's a big one. Yeah. Well, and then there's a the guy at the where you get off the highway, the highway exit, um, stands there with an empty gas can. And he stops and asks people, look, I just, my car just ran out of gas. It's just over there. But I just, I'm just without any money, right? I don't have my wallet. My yeah. wallet at home, do you mind? Like $7 or $8. So I could, yeah. And it's the same thing. It's kind of like, you're telling me a lie, but that's a tough way to make a living. So you sort of feel like... Well, that know. one's not even creative. I mean, it's like there yeah. should be some sort of... I like when people try and give you something, you know? It's Do like, you, you know, it's... Yeah, I think it's like, you know, it's like advertising. It's like, you know, you're producing something no one wants. And if you're going to be stealing time away from people, at least make it worth their while. Yeah. Do it's, do something to brighten the experience of being panhandled in some way. You know, at least be one of those guys who sells the roses or something. You know what I mean? Like, do something. At least that's a exchange for some kind of thing, though. Yeah. Like, it's it's when there's a trick to get more money out of you than you should. Like, if you want to pay however much for a stupid rose that some guy has. Like, that's fine. But I hate it when the attempt is to, like, separate you with much more of your money than you should. Yeah. Through dishonesty. Through just pure deception. Yeah. Uh, the ones that bother me the most are the guys who paint themselves silver and stand still. Oh, you hate that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. It's like, like come on. paint themselves gold. Or, and then, have you seen the supposedly, like, the guy who seems to be hovering in midair? Yeah, yeah I've seen it's that. It's kind of like, uh, you don't like those ones. Yeah, that's for some reason. Don't you think it's a lot of effort to paint your whole body silver and I, or gold? It's and, probably damaging, too. And but, hang out there. Yeah. That's how the original Tin Man got very ill. Oh, really? They had to replace him with whoever played him in the actual movie. Oh, yeah. And I've never seen those guys. It's like the guys, black like me guy died. Have you ever seen those guys setting up or walking to the plaza where they're going to the street? 
How do, that's, that is a bit of a mystery because I've never seen that. Yeah, like walking home as a sober yeah, guy. afterward at the end of the day, <laughs> you know. That, I love watching that. Uh, the guys that are like the Venice Beach characters that are there, and then you see them like on the bus later. <laughs> you yeah. want to follow them home and see what the rest of their life is like. Yeah. Like the guy in the Speedo that used to walk around, he had a mullet. He'd walk around Venice Beach. I saw him on the bus one day and just in like normal clothes, and it was so disturbing yeah. like oh this is a real person it's a real guy who has that, to wake up and do this every yeah morning. that's his his, his job, job. He's got his see this on. is something there should be an article about in harper's instead of the same crap over and over again the, the cover of harper's you know so i subscribe now to the atlantic harper's and the new yorker i think two out of the three were gotten for me by you dad and uh it's because it's so cheap now. You can subscribe to the Atlantic for a year for ten dollars. Wow, that's insane. It's great. I mean, it's sad, but uh, you know. So I just see the cover stories, and I, you know, I never really get past half the time reading the titles of the stories. But you know, it's just a constant influx of identity politics all the time, and or I hate. Tr- let's find a new way to say I hate Trump. You know, wow. uh, and ways to say that and. Uh, so I was just arguing with my dad here about like the latest Harper's title headline is who who owns black pain. It's like all right, here we go, here did we you, go again. Did you read the article? No, no, no of course not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> I don't, I don't need Zade Zadie Smith, you know, racially scolding me for yeah, however many words. Uh, well, I haven't read it, but I, it might very well be different than what you imagine. Oh, well, all right. You know, okay, yes, of course I should read it, but um, you know, and he, my dad asked, and he kind of stumped me for a second. They were like, "Okay, well, like, what else?" You know, okay, so should we be talking about how white people are actually the victim? You know, yeah. is that the stories that it should be? Is that what I like wish it was instead? And I don't know. I don't think that. I think if you don't read the article, it's very difficult to start talking about what its contents are. I wasn't but aware, after a certain it. point, it, it, I've read so many of these articles, after a certain point, it's just like self-flagellation. I don't want to read this shit anymore. Because first of all, I don't believe in it. And second of all, even if I did believe in it, I would be bored because I've already read it. All that you've described is the headline of the article. So I don't know. <laughs> it's difficult for me to say what the article is about. Yeah, I mean, maybe it is annoying identity politics, but all you've described is a headline, which, as you know, I titled an article titled "Who Owns Black Pain." Is there is no chance that that's not annoying identity politics, right? I mean, well, it, it, yes, but it could be a critique of the people yeah, who claim, sure. it, right? It could be saying like, "Oh, it's stupid to blame white people for painting black Emmett Till things," you know what? Well, we could go get the article and, and find out if you want, but that's not gonna, I don't want to get in the way of your opinion. <laughs> Forbid. It's, it's not going to change anyway. No, but there does come, you have to admit, there comes a point in which once you've read, you know, I've read a lot of these articles. I have given them a chance. I do try and read the articles, but after a point, they are really do just mush together. Right, did you see the article thing. in the New Yorker about uh, the opioid epidemic in West Virginia? Mm, yeah, okay. I think I did read that one. All right, well, there's a white pain for you. No, but exactly. That's This is my point. I, I, I don't even think they should be about 
it's not like I'm sitting around here being like, oh, let's like talk about how much they're victims either. You know, I mean, that's I think that would be very hypocritical. Well, it's not they're not victims because they're white. Yeah, you know, it's for a different reason. But it's a, it's you know, it's not like saying that. I don't know. I mean, it's, but it's still more of the same. It's still this same. All of that that's doing, all the hillbilly elegy thing is doing, is copying the one and applying it to another race. All it's saying is, okay, oh, all right, well, we've been talking about how all the races are, minorities are victims, 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 victims. Oh, but here's some ways in which white people are victims, 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 victims. I'm just saying there has to be some other narrative we can latch onto here besides this constant cycle of identity politics, right? That wasn't an article about identity politics. Politics. It was an article about the opioid epidemic, epidemic. in West Virginia, right. right? Of which, you know. Yeah, people are victims of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem that it doesn't get discussed enough that, you know, the, the political eye has not been focused on and nobody's trying to yeah. find an effective way of dealing with it. So sure, sure. And I mean, you're also conflating problems with always there being victims of it yeah. not everybody's claiming victim um, there's one thing to talk about people that claim victimhood all the time that may or may not be victims but to also point out hey there's a problem here's the problem it's not necessarily yeah. victim you know victim politics yeah i mean there's just i think there's just a lot of interesting you know for example i i read something online the other day that said you know the people who broke up the dapl Right, the people who broke up the DAPL protests were a mercenary group. It was a private, one of these private mercenary yeah, groups. So the know who DAPL is the Dakota Access Pipeline. Oh, okay. You know the people who broke up those protests. Mm-hmm. And this was a right wing person writing this critique, and they were saying, "Look, there was a private mercenary group hired to do that." Yeah. And that was not reported in the news once by anyone. No expose on it. No, that, that was just deemed unnewsworthy by every single news source out there. And it's just like, there's a lot of things like that. The things that the news covers is so narrow. Yeah. And there's so many other stories out there that really deserve to be told. But the media complex is owned by the same people that own the mercenary complex or, you know, that own everything else. So they can't tell any of these stories. Do you think it's that, or do you think it's just that it's not, uh, it doesn't fit in the narrative of the moment? Cause no, what yeah. media, what media organization is reporting on? DABL well, the media, media right organizations now. all just report on the same shit over and over and over again. I mean, you literally, it's because of the way PR works. You know, I, the other day I saw an article that was about, oh, the new uh, invisible jeans from Topshop, also available in Nordstrom's. And I Googled it. I was like, I can tell this came from a press release. So I Googled it, and I, the exact same story, using even the exact same language, was in 20 different news sites. And this is news to you? No, it's not news to me. I'm just saying... The difference between news and advertising is gone. There isn't any difference between them at all. The things that are reported come from corporations. Yeah. It's a direct pipeline. Have you seen that Conan clip? Like there's no actual journalism being done anymore. Yeah, yeah, the Conan clip. Where they cut together all those local news reports that all use the exact same copy. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, this, the sad thing is the only people that have the resources to do actual journalism are like the New York Times. And occasionally, the New York Times does still do real journalism. But, you know, they're also the worst of the worst offenders when it comes to bias and, you know, shilling for the corporatocracy, you know? Bias in what sense? Well, I mean, are we really going to argue that the New York Times is biased? Well, biased towards whom and against whom? Towards right-wingers. Totally. They're completely left-wing. So the New York Times is left-wing how? Okay, you don't think the New York Times is left-wing? Well, I think the New York Times has a corporate news bias, certainly. Uh, I don't know that these accusations that it's biased against right-wing people all the time are believable. You don't think the New York Times has a left-wing bias? What is a left-wing bias? Who is it biased against? It's, for example, reporting 40% negative on Obama and 95% negative on Trump. But what does that have, what does that mean? That's there's, there's, that's came out. But uh, what are the stories that are, were being reported on? I don't know. You know, well, I mean, it's just like go, it's choosing you know. it's choosing what to report. So what negative? What are negative stories about Trump? The New York Times is reporting any one of a million of them. This entire Russia thing is all a so we should we shouldn't learn anything about that. There's, there's no information to be gleaned no from that it's nonsense and no one cares <laughs> i mean it's a hit job That's why what is this it a is. hit why is it a hit job because they they're digging so deep because they're yeah, that's what investigative journalists do but they're they dig they're, they're, no, they're doing it because he's their enemy and they're going to do everything they Motiv- can to try and motivation destroy him. is not as important as what is being discovered. Yeah, so Trump certainly gives them plenty of plenty to work yeah, it's, with. It's not it's, maybe, but it's it doesn't like, matter. It's there, not like the, it's free and clear on the Trump side, and this is some kind of witch hunt. It's there's it clear there's okay. there's information there that is being uh, at the very least concealed and definitely causing drama. Okay, you know, but when Donald Trump goes on television, says the reason that he fired James Comey was because of the Russia investigation. He said that on television. So how is that? Did he say that in an on interview television? with Lester Holt? Yes, yes. he said what? What did he say? He, uh, I I don't have the quote in front of me, but to paraphrase, he said, "I fired Comey because of the Russia investigation." Flat out. I don't know. I wish I knew the actual quote because a lot of the stuff gets get taken completely out of context. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. He, it does. W- it's different words were put into his I, mouth. I know this. I know the ins and outs of the of this story pretty well, and I know that there is zero proof anywhere ever of what of collusion. No proof. Nothing. And yet, that has been discovered yet. Yeah, well, exactly. But we've been talking about this every. They have been talking about this every single day for months and months and months on end, and that's intentional, that's man. It's not because it's not because oh, they're uh, you know sniffing it out, blah blah blah. This was Obama, and it was the same exact facts. They would not be hunting it down day after day after day like true. they are. Yeah, and I, I don't I, think you can prove that. Talk about an unprovable assumption. It, well, you can prove that there's bias, and it has been proved. There was a political article that came out recently that proved beyond a reasonable doubt scientifically that every... <laughs> that's not science. That that's is not how science. science works, scientifically. Okay, statistics aren't science. You can't scientifically prove bias. Okay, that's so, absurd. So stats aren't... aren't Science? Uh, stats don't prove bias, per se. Okay, well, Politico, you read that. You saw that article, right? Which they did a article? They did a whole massive expose data collection thing on, to deal with. <laughs> on, on media bias. 
And they said, even us, all of us, we're all, all the reporters are liberal. They're all live in liberal cities. I believe part of the point of that article. Yeah, we talked about Yes, we did. Was that uh, the the bubble effect is in effect by people because uh, nobody lives in the the middle America, right? It's all people writing about. That's all I'm saying. No, but you're talking about biased against right wing people. Well, they are. Biased against Trump. Trump lives in D.C. He's being covered by people that live in D.C. Okay, but the upshot of those... I'm not saying it's like a conspiracy. I'm just saying What because, about when the New York Times was investi- uh, investigating yeah. Whitewater when Clinton was in office? What sure. about well, all Well, things have the, changed since then, A. What about but, all of those, those stories that came out? Yeah, again, A, things have changed since then. And B, ultimately, beyond... As I'm saying, it's not necessarily some massive conspiracy. It's just the nature of these things being run by all people with the same but here's political the, here's persuasion in ma- Trump, marketplaces that are completely Trump is liberal. not a private citizen anymore. He's the president. And when you're the president, you get a level of scrutiny that you don't get as a private citizen. So you've your behavior and your actions have to be more on the up and up. Okay. And what you're pointing to is the difference between the Obama administration, which had many faults, and many things that were revealed were problematic. But on the whole, there wasn't as much creepy shit going on. Maybe there wasn't as much creepy shit going on. But again, had there been, the New York Times would not be again, hunting it the way that you don't they have are that now. any knowledge of that. You're just okay. You're, well, you're, you're saying that that wouldn't be the case. So what do you? I mean, what do you mean? Like well, I just, I'm, I'm saying, saying that's what I believe. It wasn't the case. You're saying that it would be the case if it was. Okay. If you think that the New York Times is not liberally biased, then that's fine. I mean, you're wrong, but you can say no, that if you want. You, your proof of a liberal bias is that they're investigating okay, so either, the president of the United States. Either you think States. they have a liberal bias or you don't. And I felt like we just established recently, because of the way the no, demographics no, I, break down, they the, do have a liberal bias. This is bias. what I'm telling you, is that your proof of liberal bias is tied to whether or not they investigate a president. That's not my proof. You, I'm just using that as a counterfactual to say that if it were Obama, it would be they would treat it differently. And I know, I, can I prove that? Of course not. You can never prove a counterfactual. I'm just saying it's pretty clear to me that they target Trump and go after him because he's, he's Trump. He's president. It's because he's the president. Yeah, That's but why. I, you but get a level of scrutiny. They're not that's reporting additional. the full picture. They What's don't the full report. Picture? There's just other stuff going on. What are the other things that are going on? How about talking about his tariffs? How about how, here's a here's a, that has nothing to do with an investigation about Russian collusion. You're, I'm saying there's another side to the picture here. What? <laughs> there's another side to the picture. Is all I'm saying. It's not just one way. You know what I mean? Like there's no, a lot of, to report you're not on. Giving here me any information that. Uh, is interesting to me about whether or not uh, it's okay for them to investigate. The, the, Did I say it's not okay for them to investigate it? That's not what I'm saying But you're using all. that as your proof that there's... That there's I'm not bias. using that as my proof. You're the one bringing that up. I don't even... You know, I think that you're it's irrelevant. Ones. Did he not bring up the Russia investigation? Did, did I not... Was that not brought up by you? Was it brought up by me yes, or brought up by you? Well, I can't remember. We have to re- record. But even if it was brought up by me, all I'm saying is... My point there is that it's obvious to me that this is a witch hunt. It's completely a witch hunt. And most of this, again, they have never found any proof of anything at all. It's all conjecture. Yet it's still something that they report eagerly every single morning. Uh, I don't know know that that statement you just made is true. They haven't found anything at all. They haven't. What about Paul Manafort? 
what's the Paul Manafort? <laughs> Paul Manafort was uh, Trump's interim campaign manager who is uh, yeah, no, they all, to Russia. Yeah, they all have... Look, they what were about, talking to Russia. What's his name? Kushner was talking to Russia. They were definitely talking to Russia. Right. No question. But we're talking about collusion, right? I mean, that's what, that's what the, the thing that well, The investigation is about what the ties were to Russia and if those ties are compromising to administration that runs the country. Uh, look, that's what it Russia is. has interfered in every American election since the 60s. And we have interfered in every one of their elections since the 60s. What does that have to do with anything? It just means this isn't even a story. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Uh, I don't care, personally. I personally great. do good not care at all. Good for you. I do not care one bit. If it came out that Hillary, for ex- after I say Hillary had won, if it came out that Hillary had, oh, gotten a, she'd made some promises to Israel before she got elected and they had helped her get elected, imagine that happened. No. That's like, would you really care? I would care if the, uh, the if it was proven that the president of our country had uh, been doing back channel dealings with hostile foreign powers. That Russia is not hostile. Russia is a hostile foreign power. That's Russia. a word that has been told to you. They're not a hostile foreign power. That's not. Uh, Putin is an authoritarian who who does not uh, preside over a democracy. I'm not oh, interested in. All right. I mean, you know, still, they're not. It's not like North Korea or something. They're not like out there or Iran where they're saying like, let's kill these people. Fine. It doesn't make it better. And how many? How many people has Putin had assassinated? Yeah. How many people has Hillary Clinton had assassinated? I don't know. I, I haven't seen much proof. To Seth that. Rich. Seth yeah, Rich. That's that seems very tenuous. Yeah. And well, you apparently don't care about proof. I, I, I care plenty about proof. If any proof had been given about Seth Rich, I'd be interested in it, but there doesn't seem to be much. There seems to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, fabrication and not actual connection to events. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what? It's like, uh, as a parent, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm a liberal parent, Right. So raising my child, like everything was fine, right? (laughs) If he'd turned out to be anything, I would have loved him anyway. You know, he could have been some sort of weird, uh, you know, sexual uh, desires, some sort of sex changing, you know, and so on and so forth. I would have been totally cool with it. And instead, what do I get? I get this (laughs) alt-right troll, right? It's like just what I deserve. That's why. That's completely why. It's true because you would have been happy if I'd been, you know, a trans-fluid, you know, deerkin. You would have been happy. You would have been like, great. You would have been great with that. Totally cool. I would have bragged about it to my Yeah, my son's a deerkin. And instead, it's like this. Can Can you guess what my dad was? Can you guess? He was a Goldwater Republican. Oh, that was okay. my dad. Who converted towards the end of his life. Oh, he did? Yeah. What is a Goldwater Republican? He was a Goldwater mean? supporter when Goldwater was running for president in 1964. was yeah. Okay, but I don't know what that means. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, I know Barry Goldwater. I know who the person Barry is. Barry Goldwater is kind of the, the father of modern conservatism. Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. That's right. That was very cool. So what does that mean? He lost disastrously to to Johnson. So what is it? He's like libertarian-ish? Ish, Ish, yes. Okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah, That's cool. That was was where my dad came from. But he changed. He became a liberal later. When George W. Bush was elected, my dad said, this is not 
what I'm interested in. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was the moment when it changed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He hated, okay. he hated Bush too. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people did. Yeah. That's a big, that was the formulation of my political ideology. Certainly the Bush administration. Yeah, me too. Then, yeah. you know, I was like completely anti-Bush. And I was pro-Bernie. Yeah, so But was I. then I saw the, the, the left became fascist. I mean, the, and it became this neoliberal globalist bullshit. I, I won't disagree that there are definitely elements of the left that are very troubling. Yeah, people getting shouted down, man. Let me say, by the way... But it's, it, it ain't like the, the other side uh, is pure and beautiful. There's lots of no, very creepy of no, nonsense there's Nazis. The right. There's Nazis over there. I mean, there's, you know, there's the Richard Spencer's. Let me just say that recently my alt-rightishness has been challenged, though, and I find myself kind of going a little more left with this Shakespeare play thing. Oh, right. What, the uh, Julius Caesar production in... Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah, so there's a Julius Caesar production where they, like, Trump is Julius Caesar, which is interesting. I mean, it's like, whatever. You know, it would be one thing if it was, like, a play called, like, Kill Whitey, and it was like, you know, like, let's destroy America along racial lines. Then I would maybe be a little bit... But still, doing Donald Trump as Caesar is cool. I mean, whatever. The play is not, if you cast... The Julia, this is ancient yeah, uh, exactly. understanding of this of this play. It's been, I think, since high school since I read Tragedy of Julius Caesar. But my recollection is that he's not even a bad guy. A bad no, guy. he's not. He's betrayed by by yeah. Brutus and Cassius. Yeah. So and, exactly. So certain members of the alt right have like taken this and ma- and they started calling it a Trump assassination play, yeah. which is bullshit to begin with because yeah. that's not what it is. And then they're like, oh, there's a scene where Trump is assassinated. It's like, no, there's the scene where Julius Caesar is assassinated, and it just is being played by Trump. So it's crazy to, uh, you know. Is it completely hypocritical of the left? Absolutely. Because if the slightest thing was the other way, if there was a white guy killing a black person on stage, it would be, you know, they'd get all their sponsorship pulled. So it is bullshit. Don't get me wrong. It's totally hypocritical of the left to not condemn this. But it's also completely. Well, hypocr- it's not hypocritical if if I don't know. It depends on what their their position on this. On well, the for people, the yeah. So, it, all right, not people on the left like you who think that you know SJW shouting shit Do down is yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah. no, okay, shit. fair. But I'm saying the the SJW side of the left right. who are you know trigger warnings and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, but now now all these alt right people went and shouted down. The Julius Caesar production. And that to me is like, okay, so you basically made your bread this whole past year holding yourself out as this sort of new version of right wing that is pro free speech, which is new because the neocons were never pro. They, you know, they wanted to like censor Eminem and shit, you know? You made your bread being like, oh, I can't believe you guys are shutting down free expression, blah, blah, blah. And then what do you do? You immediately turn around and adopt the tactics of the people that you've been condemning this whole time. Yeah. And you do exactly what they just did back at them. Yeah. And to me, it's like, that's why we're where we're at right now. Yeah. Because nobody has any fucking principles. Yeah. And like, okay, the right wing, you know, these new all right guys, some of them are going to be spending all their time whining. If you say so. Uh, Siri, please. they, they, They spend all their time whining about being censored yeah 
And then you turn around and you shout down a fucking play. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ugh. That, that's where I get annoyed. There's, there's just instances. It's like people that got super upset about Kathy Griffin or whatever, which I, let me say, it was, that was a, that didn't make any sense. It was just a dumb well, she's thing horrible to do. Anyway. And she's so vile and annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. She's just annoying. But the, the kind of like, to use one of my cliches, the, the pearl clutching <laughs> among certain people was like, well, you, this, you can't, you don't get to have it both ways. Like either, yeah. either it's cool to be outrageous and crazy or it's not. Yeah. And you can say it's not cool to be outrageous and crazy, but I don't want you sending fucking Nazi frog memes to Holocaust survivors. Yeah. You know. And that you can't have it both ways. Exactly. You can't be all offended by this. Yeah. And be pissed that people you can't call but call everybody snowflakes for a year yeah. and then turn around and be a snowflake as soon as somebody does something back that you don't like. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. That's that's where we I think have the strongest agreement. There's, well, no, there's yeah. no reason. It's either fine or it's not. Well, and it's just this bullshit tactics. It's these Saul Alinsky fucking tactics that you know. That's what Saul Alinsky called it. He called them tactics, right? And he had no fucking morality. And it was just, okay, win by whatever means necessary. Win the ideological argument by whatever means necessary. And you see both sides just going back and forth forever without any integrity or any principles at all, you know, coming up, using each other's tactics to be outraged. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a dumb, endless circle jerk of nothingness you know of fake outrage yeah without any leader you know without any leadership on either side it's just fake outrage constantly very dangerous yeah i mean that's not to say that it's not completely the the fury comes from seeing how deeply hypocritical it is from the left to just completely sanction kathy griffin holding a bloodied head and then you know you say the n-word and you deserve to have your career ruined i mean it's completely hypocritical but yeah. Well, I think there's plenty of hypocrisy present everywhere. On, on both sides. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, should we finish with the genealogy? Yes. Oh, yeah. We got way off track. So, yeah. So what do you know about our genealogy? About your genealogy? Yeah, our, our genealogy. Well, I don't know. I mean, where do you want to start? Is there just, you want to... You know, I mean, I can only tell you about my side of the of your genetic background. Yeah. What, so, what are I the know? Simpsons? What are the Simpsons? Okay. Well, there's coming. You know, one of mine is the Haskell family, which which traces itself back to the Mayflower. And always on Thanksgiving, my mother would pull out this book and she would read through the genealogy from the Mayflower to her generation, um, which is definitely, you know, sort of stable you know, English family, right? And then, but on my father's side, it's a much more um, uncertain picture. And it's kind of funny to talk about it. uh, I don't know, because my father didn't tell us until his 75th birthday celebration that he was actually the person who we had always called grandma and grandpa were not actually his biological parents. Oh, wow. And um, he didn't really go into detail. And so he wasn't very communicative about it at that point. And um, 
he was actually raised by his and adopted by his aunt. Okay. And he never knew his biological father. And it's sort of interesting a little bit what you were talking about uh, because it sort of evokes, you know, it makes you realize that the many of the Americans, the European Americans who came to America, they were leaving something behind because they were having trouble back in Europe, right? They were not rooted people, right? Or they had been there for either because of oppression or economic problems or because they were criminals or somehow things weren't or for religious persecution. They came here. And there was a huge generations of basically rootless people. And from the, what little that we've been able to find out, partly because my brother did this same thing, about 23 and Me and yeah. so forth, is starting to track through family genealogy, is, um, you know, apparently my biological grandfather was a uh, Singer sewing machine salesman. And, you know, Singer sewing machines were like a huge sort of technological uh, uh, innovation at a certain period because they were, they were pump-operated, you know, but it was almost like you could turn your own household into a little bit of a sewing industry. You could make your own clothes and you could also make clothes for other people. And um, rather than, you know, sewing things together just by hand, right? So it was, and he basically followed this technology from the East Coast, bringing it out to the West Coast. And in the course of his life, from what it appears, is that he was married four times. Mm. And that does not count my biological mother. Grandmother. Yeah, my biological grandmother, right, right. Wow. And, and so he, and, you know, he's, there's, we're not exactly sure that it's him because he has, a, he doesn't have an unusual name, but there's reports of him from Florida to Seattle. Mm. And, um, you know, spread across. So it makes, it just evokes this image of these kinds of tumbleweed people, yeah. you know, generation after generation. And my, my biological grandmother was a, apparently a person who wasn't really able, for whatever reason, to raise a child. You know, I mean, that's, this is kind of stuff that my father would not be at all happy to have going out on the airwaves. But on the other hand, it's the truth. You know, so I, I certainly don't, I mean... Uh, you know, Why would he not be happy? Just because it well, sounds he scandalous? He didn't... Well, for, I mean, to be perfectly frank, I think he was ashamed, you know? And I think that's why he didn't, he didn't speak to his children about it. Right. He didn't speak to anybody about it. People didn't know about it. And it, because it was something that he... You know, so it wasn't until very, very late that he, that he, made, he told us that officially, you know? And so... You know, for him, that was extremely private information. And, um, but it, you know, it's the truth. Yeah. Did you have a relationship with your, uh, so your adopted grandparents were the the brother or the sister of the real? Yeah. Yeah. Mom. So did you have a relationship with them at all? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, she was grandma. She was and, grandma. And, and the father was, he had a Jeep. So he was called Jeep Papa. Right? And what were they that's like? Where the name, well, they were, uh, he worked for the stock. He was a stock trader in Chicago and uh, very respectable. 
people. You know, I mean, it's interesting when I think about my parents' generation now because I grew up basically in the 60s and I thought everything was all about me because I was the coming generation, the Beatles generation and so forth in the 60s. Um, and, you know, drugs came along, civil rights came along, women's liberation came along a little bit later, uh, you know, the rights of gay people came mm -hmm. along and stuff. And I always felt as though I was cutting on the cutting edge. But when I think back of it, it was really my parents' generation, people who were in their 30s and who were parents in the 60s, who were really dealing with all these very radical changes in standards and, and behaviors and possibilities, you know, the sexual revolution and stuff like that. What's a suburban family, you know, supposed to do with that? And, uh, you know, I think it was really my parents who were really very traumatized uh, by all those changes. I mean, as, and, you know, it's, it's not the people who, I was a beneficiary of those changes, mm -hmm. really. But they were the people who were actually suffering the consequences because they were at the crest of the wave and not knowing really what was going on. Mm. You know? And my parents are, when I think back on it, I mean, I had a difficult relationship, you know, with them. But in my neighborhood, they were the only f people I knew of that generation who were not ra outright racists. Really? In suburban Virginia. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And they were the first people who were against the war and said so publicly. And they were sort of taken to be almost like a little bit, um, you know, it was, it was an outrageous position. Yeah. We had to go, go closer. That was, you know, I mean, that was a, you know, for me, being 16 and 17 years old, being against the war, it didn't really cost me that much. I mean, it, it, you know, it cost me something, but it, it meant something, you know. That they were. Yeah. For, yeah. My, for my father to, to say that. Yeah. Because he was always kind of a contrarian type. Yeah, they were they were Nixon Republicans. They voted for Nixon in 1960. I'm sure. Really? You know? Wow. But at a certain point, I remember my father just feeling it was um, the war just was idiotic. Yeah. And I remember watching the famous 1968 Democratic Convention. You know, where the police in Grant Park started beating up the protesters. And I was sitting there watching it. And I didn't really have a formulated opinion at my mm. age. And yeah. my, my father being, they're beating up those kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, being, yeah. being completely outraged. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah, see, so is it any wonder that I've become a contrarian the other way now that the left has won the culture? I'm trying wars? to reconcile that. Yeah, you yeah. got to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's the big test for most liberals, right? The big test is, okay, well, yeah, you're Mr. Compassion except towards republicans you know so can you be can you really have the principle all the way through anyway uh to return to genealogy though a little bit do you have any feeling of pride for because clearly this was something that our my grandma your mom was proud of mm -hmm. in terms of the roots and the mayflower etc yeah. yeah do you feel any pride in that i can't say i do no I can't say I do. I mean, to that, you know, when my father told us that uh, he, you know, had been raised, but I actually, that was kind of like cool. Yeah. You know, I wanted it fascinating, interesting. Tell me more about that. And it was so, because it gave me kind of some soul. Yeah. You know, from. Yeah, yeah. It gave you, see, it's like I'm the exact opposite of you in, in that way, because I was raised where? In Evanston, where, you know, rich white families have Black Lives Matter signs in their yards, you know? Probably the most liberal, one of the most liberal towns in America, definitely. 
And so I grew up with exactly the opposite morality, you know, the total flip side of that. So for me, I do take a great deal of pride in the like Mayflower thing, because for me, that provides the opposite of soul. It provides some sort of like grounding, you know, it provides some sort of like that sort of uh, whitewashed thing is something that I, yeah, but I guess like I- treasure, you know, because I was, it was so, it's so foreign to how I was raised, you know? Okay. Well, I guess I, I mean, I'm not proud of it because I didn't make it happen. Well, nobody you know? did, right? I, it's not the pride. It's just, it's, it makes me feel like I belong somewhere in a way. It makes me feel like, okay, like this is my country, you know? Which I've never really, you know, I don't have any other identity yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, I think I identify more with that just sense of rootlessness yeah well no it's the classic boomer thing right i mean it's like yeah that's it's the disgust with order and hierarchy and these old american you know nationalism and all these things that are well it's not so so much disgust with it it's feeling as though it's talking about other people it's like it's people put those are people who put down roots yeah and there's other people (laughs) and the and the people who came to america were the rootless ones. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, you know, they tried, right? I mean, it's, it's still early in the American experiment. <laughs> did you read, did you read um, Jonathan Franzen's book Before Purity? Yeah, Freedom. Bird? He has a great quote in there about how Americans uh, are all descended from just at grumpy assholes who didn't like how things were going and yeah. wherever they came from. So that's why they moved here and that's why we're just such a grouchy people. Well, I don't know. Is grouchy the right word? Is, no, is, it's as not. As he's saying like he, outcast. He you know? wrote it much better than I said. Yeah, but yeah. I liked that quote and I thought it was pretty... Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. You know, and even on the West Coast, it's even more that, you know, because on the West Coast, it's the people who came over and couldn't take it there. Yeah. <laughs> so they had to come all the way over here. Oh, yes. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, it, it's much more liberal over here, right? Because we have this constant memory of being the outcast. So we always have to try and look out for for the uh, minority, you know, we always look out for the one who's not being included, uh, which is not a great way to... You, you, the problem is you can't really... Uh, an organizing mechanism can't be organized around the rights of the smallest group or else the system will eat itself or it'll just be built around the lowest common denominator. <laughs> that's, that, that's a very big can of worms that you just opened, but I don't think we have time to, to get, <laughs> to, to get in that. Yeah. yeah. I think from my own experiences, looking at this, one of the big failures, of the education system in our country, especially history is not, tying kids at that early age to their to the history of where they came from if there was an easier way to educate kids about where their their background came from like for me to have learned about the civil war when i was in like seventh grade and i'm just sitting there like and i'm making the jerking off motion with my hands it's like who gives a shit about this stuff but if they're like hey your great 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 grandfather was at the battle of gettysburg that that ties it to you significantly in a yeah. way that that isn't present in a lot of history, and I think that's kind of the the failure. Oh, I think that's kind of the failure of um, education about history is that we're so, especially in this country at least. I feel like I was very disconnected from my 
my background, either because it's not celebrated or it's not made to be important. Well, it's, because it's because, not allowed to be celebrated or because, because that would are, exclude people, you well, know? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know that it's that nefarious. It's just more that it's, it's not talked about enough, you know? And that's, that's kind of the shocking thing to me is I just, I went all this time and I had no idea. Yeah. That you I had, had no idea that because c- no, they want to de, descent. they want to de, History they. us. Who's they? They want to dehistory us. Nobody wants... No, there's no they that wants to do it. The Everybody's establishment. Just, no, I don't even think that's the case. <laughs> it's it's just being undereducated about it. Yeah, but we're undereducated about it because we spend six months learning about, you know, George Washington Carver because we have to... We're reacting constantly against the idea know, of, that's, of that's white seems, supremacy. That seems fraudulent. Yeah, I learned... That's not right. I learned plenty more about the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and, and all those events. But I don't I know. I didn't I feel know. any connection to it. And it's, it's not until you realize, oh, I am connected to this significantly. Yeah. No, which we all should. I mean, we all should get that. You. You know? So go, go trace your genealogy. It's very, you'll learn some very interesting things. Yeah, well, I, you know, I always say that I'm wasp. Although, so, but do you feel like your dad was genetically different from that sort of waspy thing? Did he have something in him? Cause he was kind of a little more hot blooded, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, from a genetic point of view, um, Who knows? yeah, I don't know. And I mean, you know, my brother's, uh, 23 and me results were, didn't indicate anything, anything else. Stereotypically yeah. wasn't like coming from, Southern Italy or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. There's no indication of that. Uh, you know, there's the there's the tradition of the Black Irish. You know, who are, but we're not that. We're UK. No, we're only island either. of England. But all that stuff is a little bit sort of stereotypical. Yeah, I know. Anyway, right, you yeah. know. It's funny that our society is so obsessed with identity while simultaneously saying that it, you know it's not real. No. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I say that I'm half you know, wasp, which I think I probably am, just half really Anglo-Saxon, and then half, you know, like dirty circus Jew. <laughs> you know, we're like the bad Jews. Like, we're like the Hungarian gypsy, gypsy-style Jews, you know? There's those good German Jews that are like, you know, that are the smart ones. Whereas we're like the juggling street Jews. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>